Welcome to a special episode, as I'm super duper excited to be chatting to someone who is really inspiring, not just to myself, but I'm sure to many people in the educational sector. They are an educational developer in higher education and a learning and teaching and assessment lead for the department. By day, you would find them sharing their knowledge in business information systems and technology within the institution. Despite a very active role in supporting staff in technology enhanced learning and academic development, they are nationally and internationally coordinating facilitating workshops, seminars and conferences on social media and its innovations in teaching and learning within higher education. In 2017, they were awarded a National Teaching Fellowship and is also a Certified Management and Business Educator, a Senior Fellow of the Higher Education Academy, a Fellow of the Staff and Educational Development Association, a Certified Member of the Association of Learning and Technology, and is also a TEDx Speaker. If that's not enough, they were named by GIST as one of the 50 most influential higher education professionals on social media. But yet, I'm just amazed by them still finding the time to stay connected with students through staff-student partnerships. Oh, I must add though, they are the co-founder of the International Learning and Teaching in Higher Education Twitter chat, and also the cross-institutional open online course of Bring Your Own Device for Learning. I am out of breath by this long list of achievements, but I hope you can guess who is with me today. It's the one and only Sue Beckenham. Sue, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Gosh, that, uh, yeah, you, you realise or you forget actually how much uh, you've done over, over the time. But yeah, so social media has, has really kind of opened my eyes over more than a decade now to connecting me to brilliant educators across the globe. And, and certainly if I go back to maybe 2009, that was where I started to develop a network and then realised that there were educators that were a little bit further ahead of us in the US. And that helped me develop a network and learn how they'd started to use social media. It gave me the inspiration to start reading up a bit more and listening to webinars and reading blogs you know so there's all different dimensions of, of social media and obviously building my own twitter network and realizing that you know this was a substantial part of my cpd and you know i wanted to share that with others you know it's one of those things that you know you talk about social media it's like oh twitter's all about what you've eaten for breakfast you know there was that statement always coming out facebook is a social space and i still keep that largely as as a social space but Twitter was something that, you know, I've always said that it's only as good as the people you connected to, you know, so you choose who you want to have in your network. And once you develop that, you know, it becomes very rich and valuable. And it's a personal learning network. So my network might not necessarily, you know, be in tune with, with somebody else's completely. But, you know, I try and share how I've developed that space, those connections, and that led on further down the line into connecting it with employability and my work with students. Wow, I think that's kind of a, a brilliant overview of what you've done. But before we get into that, what one interesting thing have you done recently? Most recently is a project that is actually been going on for, for four years. We've just completed our fourth year and that's working with students as partners. And this started four years ago after the students had actually attended at Sheffield Hallam, the Social Media for Learning and Higher Education Conference. They'd applied for free places. 
uh, independently uh, and it turned out that four of the students that were successful were my students a final year and three second years so I said would you like to set up a special interest group and they said yeah that'd be great you know let's talk about how we could use social media for learning further but they didn't like the word SIG the special interest group acronym so they came up with their own which is SMASH which is social media for academic studies at Hallam so we quite quickly developed a mini framework if you like to look at how is social media used in higher education and that was about social media for learning in and out of the classroom, social media for collaborating and learning with each other, and social media for showcasing learning. And the showcasing learning is the bit about students taking ownership of their online identity. That could take the form of a LinkedIn profile. It could be them starting their own blog or a website and linking these together and then thinking about the projects that they're actually doing themselves in university and adding that information into their LinkedIn profile to make it richer, which is something that as they apply for placements or graduate roles, employers will look at social media. There's no doubt about it. You know, anything that's, that's open, it does give them a wider appreciation of the things that they're involved in. No, that's brilliant. I think we'll go into a bit more detail about the Smash project a bit later. But how did you kind of first got involved in all this work, you know, with social media and all their learning and teaching stuff? Because you've been you've been working for quite a while, I imagine. And, you know, lots of people look up to you. Um, you might realise or not realise or you will realise in other episodes as well. And, <laughs> and yeah, how did you first got involved? With all this, did you just wake up one morning saying, oh, I just want to do this, you know, dip my toes in. I want to connect with staff and students more. It kind of started with my interest in, in Twitter, you know, and, and like everybody, you know, when, when you first start with Twitter, it's like, oh, gosh, what, what next? You know, and, and who should I follow? OK, I'll follow Stephen Fry because I've heard that, you know, he tweets a lot and he's very interesting. And, and he is. And then started, as I say, to follow, follow educators, people that I knew that um, said that they were on Twitter. And then what I did was looked at the people that they were connected with. So then I started to develop my network and that cascaded out. And then I was researching how social media is being used in learning, you know, as I say, going back to 2009. Then looked to see if those individuals, because there was people that were blogging, writing papers, and I looked to see if they were on Twitter. And if they were, I connected with them. And then I had the opportunity to get some funding to go on a, a study tour in the United States. And there was three people that I wanted to visit. And then I realised when I looked naively at the <laughs> United States map that it's a bit bigger than UK and, and they were definitely spread at you know, opposite sides. But as luck would have it, two of them were attending a conference in Austin, Texas, and the third person actually was at a university or a college in San Antonio, which is only a couple of hours away from Austin, and was where my sister lived. So long story short, I went out there and that was really good making those connections. And I met other educators, um, including the wonderful Laura Pasquini, who has been a very good friend of, over the years. And I've learned so much from her. So that, that was the first experience. And then I came back and... I'd started to give presentations at some conferences around social networking and those, those sorts of things. I put those presentations onto SlideShare 
which is a, a social networking site. It's you can upload infographics, documents, and predominantly people share presentations, which is a great space to learn from others, uh, but also to showcase your own. And then those were put onto my LinkedIn profile. So following that, a colleague, a senior colleague, we were having a um, higher education employability event hosted at Sheffield Hallam. And she asked me to do a talk about social media employability. So that kind of got me thinking, okay, let's, let's, you know, see what I can put together and obviously researching a presentation based on that brief, you know, open my eyes and, you know, many different strands of things. And following that, because I put the presentation on SlideShare, tweeted it out, I was approached to give my first keynote in 2011. So that was at uh, the FOTI conference, which is the future of technology in education. And that then led to an invitation to speak in Denmark. And it's kind of cascaded from there. You know, people say, oh, can you give a talk about this particular topic, which makes you research that particular area? And alongside of that, you know, I wanted to support other colleagues initially to understand that this is a great place to, you know, develop your own professional development and do it in your own time. And I think that's, that's quite important, you know, because sometimes people can't afford to either pay to go to conferences or take the time out to go to conferences because of, you know, various different reasons. So, you know, being able to use social media in that way to learn from others was something I wanted to share because this experience for me was, you know, was, was getting better and better. So I started then to do workshops within Sheffield Hallam for staff. So helping them understand what their LinkedIn profile should look like. And I would say that that is a really important thing for people to consider because many have a LinkedIn profile and I would say there are still a proportion of people that have thought, oh gosh, I better create a profile, got partially through it, left it, never looked at it again or barely look at it. It's incomplete. It looks unprofessional. You know, there might not be a photograph. And the thing you have to remember is that when students are applying for university, they can also Google and guess what comes up on the first page? Things about social media. Obviously, you know, if you've got closed profiles on Facebook, etc., they're going to show. But if they aren't closed, they will show. But what they're looking at is, is a LinkedIn profile. And I can remember a colleague um, going back some, some years now saying that he'd had a conversation with a student who did happen to take his course, but she was saying that she nearly didn't because she'd taken an appraisal of all the academic staff and very few, there was only him actually that had a LinkedIn profile that was, you know, good and was showing what he was doing. And her perception was, oh, they can't be very important. They can't be very, you know, experienced because they hadn't showcased what they were doing. So it's almost like having an online presence, it's better not to be on. If you're not going to do it fully, then do it partially. But the investment in time of having a good profile, I think is really important. No, that's, no, that's brilliant. Thank you, Sue, for that. And you've really touched on you know, that importance of being online. And for the example you just gave, in terms of a student trying to search for their academics and see how active they are, I think all of us, right? I think the world, there's a growing number of internet users and um, especially smartphones and tablet users as well. And we use that every day. But are we using effectively, not just you know, chatting to our friends or Googling this or that? It's quite a kind of important issue. How effective can we use that in higher education is always a challenge. You've got some of those who might not want to use it because they're just scared of it, but others who are always on it. It's kind of finding the right balance. 
And I just kind of wanted to maybe draw on the framework that you published in 2014 with Christina Razzi on the 5C frameworks, the connect, communicate, curate, collaborate and create. How do you think that framework is important to the sector? Well, I guess it gets people thinking about it. I mean, I looked at the first um, six C's the year before and looking at why this is important to develop our ability to know how we can have conversations with people online, how we can collaborate and how this then may start on social media, but then how it can then help collaborations with people face face to face. So when Chrissy and I got together to look at developing Bring Your Own Devices for Learning based previous course that she'd run for a couple of iterations, I believe, because the Bring Your Own Devices was a five-day thing, we wanted to have kind of a focus for each day and then to think about the different ways we could use our mobile devices to connect with people, to, to communicate and collaborate and curate information. And, and there just seemed to be kind of like a, a huge amount of um, social media tools that people could use. And there's always the risk that once you get um, quite passionate about using these things, you know, people that aren't users can be either intimidated or overwhelmed. So, you know, it was a nice focal point to think about, you know, well, let's structure these into different sections and take each one at a time to get people to think how they could start to build an online presence and a personal learning network through connecting with people um, via social media. You know, that course has run, I forget how many times now, four, four or five, and then the baton was handed on and other people have taken the lead in running it, which, you know, is fantastic that everybody has the opportunity to be involved. And, it, you know, it wasn't just us running it at the beginning. There was a community of, or, you know, an organising team, if you like, involved in it, you know, and, and just the experience of doing that, being having the experience of participating in, in an online course is important. I've been involved in a number of different online courses, you know, MOOCs and various things, not necessarily qualification, but just to experience it. And I think that's helping me now in the current situation of having that experience of communicating online and knowing different tools that we can use to aid that communication and collaboration. No, that's brilliant. So you've mentioned about bring your own device for learning and having that sense of community especially during times now when we are very isolated from one another. I want to bring in um, the hashtag LTHE chat as well. And with the bring your own device for learning, how do you think having an online presence and having that community is, is important in the sector for staff and students, not just for staff? Learning, teaching and higher education chat. It still surprises me in the sense that, you know, in 2014, it was kind of a mini pilot. We'd do it till Christmas, see what happened. And, and very quickly, we got people coming to us to say, oh, we'd like to sort of lead a leader chat. We've got a topic. Um, we can provide some questions and all those sorts of things. Um, it's been somewhere people can dip in and out of conversations outside of, you know, where we bump into people, you know, face to face people have come up to me and said oh that was a really interesting chat and I'm thinking I didn't even notice that you were there you know and I know you can't notice every, everybody but it's, oh no I, I don't tweet you know I just I just kind of like uh, lurk that, that, that awful expression which um, you know I call positive silent engagement you know you don't realize and I think this is something to think about your own students just because they're not actually interacting doesn't mean to say that they're not engaging they're listening 
you know, and, and it may be because the multitasking or they just don't feel confident in posting. So, you know, it has developed over time where people know that on a Wednesday at eight o'clock, it's a regular time slot that people can, you know, jump in if, if the topics of interest to them, if they've got the time. And, you know, it's been good to have some students involved. You know, we always wished that we could have got more students involved. We've not cracked that that yet. But of course, you've been uh, involved in it and part of the organising team. You know, we've had a couple of other students as well that have either been part of the organising team or led a chat because they've learnt about it. So, yeah, it would be nice to take that forward. But in terms of staff development, you know, people have often said it's their go-to place for quick CPD. It's, it's an hour or as much as time as you can devote on the Wednesday evening. And everything's curated and put into, initially it was StoryFind until they went pro and, and Wakelet were absolutely brilliant helping me transfer all of the the chats into the new wakelets um, they, they were really really helpful because at that point there was over a hundred chats so the wakelet for those people that don't know about it is is really a curation of all the tweets in one space so you can go into there it's it's a quick and dirty way of you know grabbing all the tweets they're in the order that they were tweeted and you know people can go through those because during a chat what's really rich is both the conversations and the sharing of resources you know people are very generous and open so you know they'll share infographics links to papers all sorts of different things ideas things that they've made themselves you know it could be openly shared by their own google doc space so yeah it's been really interesting to see how that's uh, continued to to develop and it's just a nice way to um, dive into a particular topic relating to higher education Exactly. I, I remember when I first joined, I was scared. I was like, there's all these people who are very, very, very senior in their roles. And there's me, like a very naive student, not knowing what to do. Uh, or secondly, not knowing how to respond to something or without being judged. I think it's that fear. But I think having been there or participated for, for quite a while now, it's, it's amazing the people who you meet. For example, I didn't know you, see before uh, that. It was all through online chats. And it was like, oh, we met. And then one day we physically met. I was like, oh, I feel like I know all of you in person. So it's kind of that weird feeling. And I kind of sort of now and introduce myself. I'll be more like, so we haven't quite met in person <laughs> before. But you and I have chatted before online and then the other person would be like, oh, so you're that person, this person. So it's quite amazing how this whole online... It's an immediate icebreaker. Yeah, exactly. It's like how this online community is kind of evolving and how you would go and spread your networks around as well. And I definitely recommend anyone or actually everyone to go and join at eight o'clock on a Wednesday during term time and just to get involved and just to dipping your toes in and out and see what you really want to get out of. And so we've highlighted the digital um, CPD is very important, but I want to kind of go back to the student engagement side. Uh, so for example, the SMASH project that you're doing, we all know that you're very involved in lots of student partnerships, but how do you ensure students are engaged through the academic study and doing smash on top of their normal you know, deadlines and assignments? Very good question and, and it's something that I state right at the beginning of, of each of the years that you know we've done this over the four years that you know your studies comes first. We have a shared suite of Google documents and one of them always starts up with you know what ideas do we want to kind of achieve this this year and you know we say well 
if we get to them, we get to them, you know, we get these down and we'll take in them in turn, decide, you know, what we can achieve. And if we don't achieve it, that's, that's fine. You know, it can be used and we, we can transfer that on to, to the next year. So we, we used to meet possibly every two to three weeks face to face just for, for an hour in, in Sheffield Hallam. But the rest of the time it was online. So, you know, there, there was this virtual community of practice that the students created themselves. And, you know, one of the things that they, they said was, you know, it was really good to meet other students that they didn't know initially and to learn from each other. So as they started to share how they were using various different social media, that inspired them to try new things. And then they could then cascade that out to their peers. We always had a whole host of ideas and things that we wanted to do. But um, as I say, it was just incremental steps. And the nice thing with this particular group thus far is that three second years, two went out on placement, but one continued to be involved because she could be through, through social media. And one became the lead for the second iteration and then engage some more people to be part of the group. So there was some final years and there was a new second year student. And then the following year, one graduated, one came back from placement, she became the lead for it. And then the following year, the second year, you know, was then out on placement and came back and Matty led it in, in the final year. And um, you know, recruited a few more students. So it was only ever a small group. I think there was there was the maximum of only was it six, six or seven at any time. But it meant that, you know, they could divvy out ideas. So when we started looking at creating an activity for, for workshops, we created some cards and they were based on the EDUCORS seven ways you can use and they've got a whole suite of studies on, on various different types of technology. So we, we looked at social media. So it was seven ways you could use Twitter, seven ways you could use YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we created and printed those cards so that they divided those out. So, you know, they, they could do that online in their own time, whenever they got, um, you know, some space to, to do that. And, and it was a nice little resource to get the conversations flowing in, in a workshop which we invited staff and students to and then in a subsequent iteration another you know the group that had formed they decided that they want to look at um, what they called reverse social media so essentially it's pedagogy first but I was really proud that they'd come up with this concept so it was what do we want to achieve and what tools can help us do that so again they've created a, a set of cards and in this last year we've finally got all of those things together and they've got a slot they've got a tab and a drop down menu on my social media for learning.com website so they've got their own space everything's got a creative commons license and it's attributed to them and we did get a publication written based on their reflections of the skills that they'd actually developed as being part of this community of practice and students as partners initiative. So, you know, that's um, been a good experience for them. And, and from my perspective, you know, I think any students as partners activity, you know, it's like what's in it for the students. It's got, it's really important that we frame that and we can, you know, look at the skills that they're developing. So we have something called the Hallam Award at Sheffield Hallam. So essentially the students can reflect on, on skills and competencies that they've developed and they can go for the bronze silver and gold award and the students within smash have all gone for those awards one actually achieved platinum which was great to see
That's brilliant. And it's, you've really highlighted the importance of working with students and not just for the students' benefits, but for yourself as well, Sue, isn't it? Kind of understand students' perspectives and how they would navigate a problem they see and they solve it in their own way, but you solving it in your own way from your staff point of view. And it's kind of merging those two concepts together to bring a project alive. And it's, it's brilliant to see how your students kind of gone on to write publications and presenting at conferences and, of course, gaining awards as well. So you really highlighted the key points and the areas of having that online presence uh, within the social space. But people who are listening to this episode might be feeling you know, less confident in getting this started or worried there might be risks in terms of dipping their toes in. What kind of risks do you think can bring into the educational space in terms of using social media? Well, using social media, I mean, you have to have your eyes open and understand that any space, you know, whether you're reading one of those newspapers that might not be um, telling the the true story or, you know, basing opinions that might not necessarily be the ones that you want um, to agree with. But, you know, in in, in social media, you're going to get a diverse set of people um, sharing things. And I've always found it really important to have that conversation with students, you know, to talk about the risks, to talk about the implications of having an online presence. So, you know, I've done numerous guest lectures for various different subject areas, as well as my own, you know, thinking about, you know, if, if you are going to use social media, if Facebook is open, if your Twitter's open, because you can have protected tweets, if you want to use that as a conversation space, then if it's open, people can see that information and, you know, what's that going to look like? And I've shared data on research that's been done by employers or recruitment agencies, you know, that have looked at, you know, what is the value of students using social media? And, and it's, it's two sides of a coin, or it can be, you know, the, the bad side is that it can portray a really bad image of the students because, you know, they've got photographs of them partying and, you know, albeit having, you know, student fun, but not necessarily something you want to have out in the eyes of prospective employers. But then the flip side is that they can look at things that you're engaged in, you know, your projects, your interests, the conversations that you're having with both academics, people in your subject discipline, and even employers, you know, taking an interest in employers. Employers, many of them will have a LinkedIn company page, you know, so that provides a certain amount of information they might have a, a twitter recruitment page you know depending on the size of the organization you know where they're going to post useful things about open days and um, job opportunities so it's getting the students to think about developing their own professional online presence and making good use of that so i've had those conversations with students you know because initially you know when i say employers are going to google you they're going to look at, you know, whatever's on the first page predominantly, you know, and if that's social media, what story is that going to tell? You know, and some of them have come back and said, oh, that's not ethical. They shouldn't be looking at that. And, you know, it's open. You may ne- never even know that that is happening. But if those profiles are open, it's open. So you need to be mindful of that. And I always remind both staff and students to Google themselves you know, look for the search terms, if their name's a more common name, you know, put in the university or anything that, you know, could link them and see what comes up, um, because that's exactly what um, prospective employers are going to to see. So, you know, the, the risks, I think it's better that we 
embrace it and learn how to use it correctly rather than saying, oh my gosh, no, this could be really damaging and dangerous, you know, steer away from it because students are still going to do it, you know, socially and might not necessarily understand those, those implications, you know, so it, it, it is important for academics to be role models to a certain degree. And I think having a LinkedIn profile is a starting place. I totally appreciate that not everybody, you know, wants to go as far as, you know, using other social spaces. But LinkedIn is, is I believe, a really important one and something that I would recommend that they advocate for the students to create as a profile because, you know, the change in where the way employers search for prospective employees is, is through LinkedIn. You know, the, the days when you used to buy the job section in the big Friday night local newspaper to look for jobs, you know, is, is long gone. And yes, there are online recruitment sites. You know, LinkedIn's a really easy way for them to search. They'll have the pro version and they can search for students. So helping students understand the implications of that. So if you're searching for somebody, you're searching for specific search terms and skills. If you're a graduate and you don't have graduate in your LinkedIn profile, they don't know you're a graduate. If they're looking for specific skills that they want for that role, make sure you've got those words peppered throughout your profile because that's going to help you come up their search. So having a professional photograph, you know, you don't need to have a professional photograph photographer, you know, you could be stood against a brick or white wall and your friend could take a photograph of you and have that on your LinkedIn profile rather than the ones, you know, where you've got your arm around somebody or a glass of wine in your arm and you've cut off part of it, all, all these different things. So, you know, I've shared those and I've created slide shares um, so that, you know, other people can learn from it. And obviously the students can and revisit and go through these steps to better develop their profiles. So it's, it's all about learning how to use it in a professional context and, you know, letting students know that, you know, when they go out into industry, there are other social media tools that they're going to use you know, outside of the VLE, you don't, don't find that in employability, in employment. So understanding how to use things like Trello and Slack and, you know, sort of more organisational management tools for your project, again, it's really important. You know, you, when you're working, chances are you're going to have to be engaged in webinars and, and, of course, even more important now. So understanding how to train yourself in those spaces, it's really good to have that practice and that's something that I get the students to, to practice. Yeah, that's brilliant. There's a few really good Sue's top tips for anyone to actually get started in this area. But if we look into the future then, how do you think your work with social media will evolve into higher education? Well, I'm hoping to continue the Social Media for Learning group next year and have some students interested. And I don't know. It's, it's, there's, there's so many things that I think are really, really interesting. I, I think part of it is them being able to showcase the skills. Something underneath that is helping the students develop how to articulate those skills and practice. And something that I'm very involved in at the moment um, is the use of PebblePad and getting the students to learn how to reflect on the skills that they're developing and to create action plans to develop those skills and then creating star statements and CVs and developing that and having this e-portfolio and the students have to do regular 
reflective mini blog. So it's only a very short, short paragraph, but it gets them into reflecting about the skills and to be able to articulate real life situations where, you know, it's no good as students saying, you know, I'm a great communicator, I'm a great team worker. Well, where's the context? So being able to say that and write that so it can both be in a CV and at an interview, developing those skills. As I say, we've been using Pebblepad for the last couple of years. So I'm in the process of starting to evaluate that this coming year and managed to attain a, a small bit of funding. So I'm going to employ two students to help me with that. That's brilliant. So let's end in this episode then with a quick short firing round for our listeners to get to know you a bit more. So these are just random questions. And my tip to you is just don't think too hard when you answer them. (laughs) Sounds fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. What are your favourite hashtags? Obviously, LTHE chats, Alt-C, CEDAConf which is the CEDA Association, um, EdTech, DigiPeg, um, gosh, Raise, <laughs> and various different conferences. Just off the top of my head, gosh, I'm sure, sure there's more. I hope I haven't left out anybody important. But um, yeah, conference hashtags, you know, I can participate outside of a conference, not even attending and get a flavour of the things that are being shared. So they're always useful to look at. Three words to describe yourself as an educator. Gosh, three, three words to describe myself as a as a as an educator. Passionate and always learning. Fair enough. <laughs> if you were to pick one learning and or teaching platform, what would it be? Um, well, if it's for my own learning and CPD, it would be Twitter. What do you do to recharge your energy after a long, stressful day at work? Well, I have two German Shepherds, so I'm out walking with them, um, both pre-work, which gives me some thinking time, and after work. And I also love gardening. So I, I get out in the garden and dig. And, and then I get a bit creative. I, I, I love each year creating, well, growing vegetables, but also colourful plant pots and various different things. So, yeah, get, getting outside is, is important. It gives you thinking time. Other than your phone, laptop or any mobile devices, what would be the one best thing to carry around to show students and or colleagues in corridors? Gosh, what do I normally carry around? I always have a notebook. I, I, I still believe that taking notes is by hand is a really useful activity because you can then condense those revisit them reflect on them and then you know put them onto online if you want to save them digitally so yeah notebook and uh, actually it's a notebook and pencil with a rubber on top because my handwriting's so bad i can't always read my own writing (laughs) invisibility or super strengths gosh um this question is supposed to be easy. <laughs> I know, I know. You're taxing my brain now. Now, invisibility or super strengths? I don't think I'm a particularly invisible person. Um, super strengths? I'm a good cook, good gardener. I'm a good listener. <laughs> what would be your alternative career that you secretly wish you had but never actually pursued? To write children's books. Ah. All right. Yeah, I, I tell stories to my kids, my nephews and nieces. Yeah, well, one of these days I'd like the time to write them up or alternatively having a, a cookery book and cooking channel. Favourite music genre? Um, oh gosh, mine is just so eclectic. It's just so broad, but I guess kind of more general 
pop, but when I say general pop, it's back in the 60s and 70s with a bit of rock, including Def Leppard. Bitmoji, GIF or emoji? I had to ask that question. Absolutely. Um, I use emojis, I think, more than I say GIFs, actually. Uh, so there, there's the thought um, and a conversation. GIFs, I think, definitely have the place and, and can sort of lighten up a conversation. I, I use emojis both in, in emails and in social media. And emojis, yeah, I do that now and again, only to please Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Suzanne is listening, so um, heads up, Suzanne. <laughs> I think this next question is very important. Your favourite learning teaching hero? That would be Sally Brown. Professor Sally Brown and um, I kind of want to link Phil race as well together because you know some of the things that they have done together but you know between them and I think particularly Sally has been a complete inspiration to me and yeah I've learned so much and continue to learn so much from her and I'm really indebted to, to her I guess the belief in not just me but so many educators you see it you know she helps you believe in yourself and I think that's something you know where we all suffer from that imposter syndrome from time to time you know and you have ideas and think oh gosh nobody's gonna like this and you know she's she's always been really good to make you believe in yourself and um, yeah go for it and do things that are the different and try them out that's fantastic and finally then because our podcast is called the education burrito what's your favorite burrito fillings do you know i don't even know whether i've ever had a burrito in my life <laughs> but i'm guessing it's um i always get confused between these is, is if it's the wrap wrap one then it will probably be chicken and salsa and sour cream and something hot and spicy i think that's what goes in a burrito <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely try it then see yeah i shall look that up that that's on my list now see every day is a learning day isn't it you know it's or an opportunity to learn no that's fantastic and so that's all we have time for in this episode if our listeners want to find out more about what you do sue how can they do so uh, they can follow me on twitter so i am at sue bex or they can follow my blog which is socialmediaforlearning.com or my personal blog which is suebeckingham.com yeah they're the kind of the, the main places of following me on linkedin you know if find me on there and uh, yeah send me an invite and you know it'd be great to connect with like-minded educators because i'm always keen to develop my network and see if we can share you know good practices and, and go on and learn from each other no thank you for that and so again a big massive thank you to you sue beckingham for chatting with us today on all the importance of social media and digital online presence for staff and students in higher education thank you sue it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your time and tuning into the Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media, tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.